listening to the British GT Fan Show. Remember, it's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, redistributed, reproduced or used in any form without permission. For more information or to get in touch, please visit our website www.bgtfshow.co.uk. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the British GT Fan Show on Motorsport Radio for all the latest on the 2020 Intelligent Money British GT Championship and more. Coming up on today's show, interviews with Matt Brigden and Johnny Adam, all the latest news and views, as well as an in-depth chat with our in-house crew and much, much more. British GT Fan Show is hosted by Sarah Smith, alongside resident GT geek Nicholas Smith and Andrew Brightman and Gaz Jacobs of the British GT Fans. Okay, so looking at the news, obviously the big thing that is dominating everywhere and not just motorsport in general at the moment is the coronavirus and that's pretty much put a halt to everything. But first of all, we have seen that a lot of people are getting a bit creative in trying to fill the void. And we have seen that there's various esports races coming in. I know there's been a few kind of advertised across Twitter and there's been some quite interesting mixes of drivers. Have any of you guys caught any of it or any comments on that? Well, I've not actually watched any of it yet. I'm going to sit down and listen to the podcast on a rival network of the Sebring event that was put on yesterday. So that, that that's the one that I'm particularly, particularly interested in. Of course, SRO are organising their own using Assetto Corsa Competizione on PC. They've got a charity event coming up, which starts um, this week, actually, where there's 40 spaces up for grabs and five will be just people that enter because they've got the game and they want to try and put their hot laps in. You can qualify in a hot lap format for better part of a week and then they're staging a virtual race meeting on on the sunday so you've got free practice qualifying and then a race and it's all going to be in in favor of charity there's a minimum 15 euro entry fee and all the proceeds from that are going to go to the covid19 solidarity response fund which is supporting the world health organization and, and what they're doing with the with, with the virus I'm really looking forward to this race. I really am. I've got to say. I mean, this is it. Sounds, it sounds like it could be a uh, a cracking one. Yeah, I've been watching the uh, Sebring race last night, uh, as well as the, uh, the the series is held by the race over on their YouTube channel. And you know, it's the, these these e races are a, a decent um, replacement for 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 what we what we're currently missing out on, in my opinion. The SRO event. They're, they really are treating it like a proper race meeting as well. They're going to have full live streaming on the GT World YouTube channel. They've set up a Twitch account as well, so people that use Twitch can watch on that. But basically, it's going to be if you wanted to watch British GT live. Yeah, uh, and we'll pop details of the Twitch up as well when uh, yeah. when we've got it. Yeah, so if you wanted to watch the British GT live and you went to the YouTube channel to watch it, this race is on the same YouTube channel and it will have commentary and the... SRO media team are going to be supporting it with twi- with Twitter content throughout the event and this, that and the other. So really, it is just like going to the racetrack, just without an hour and a half in the car to get there. And it's being held at Monza, which is where the um, the first round of the Endurance Cup was supposed to have been, uh, been held, in, held in real life as well. It just doesn't do a lot for me, really, because there's not much call for a photographer when you're, um, <laughs> when you're racing on the internet. So on the whole um, gaming thing, uh, we have got uh, a bit of an announcement that's come out in the last couple of weeks from um, Assetto Corsa Competizione. They have announced that it will be coming out to PlayStation 4 and Xbox One consoles on the June the 23rd. And anyone who's pre-ordered is going to get the most recently released Intercontinental GT pack in there. And they've also announced that there is another pack that's due to be coming out as well, the British pack with some more circuits on there, which looks quite exciting. What do we think about this? 
Yeah, this is um, obviously a Tosseto Corsa Competizione is the official game of the SRO, what is now GT World Challenge Series, what used to be the Blanc Pan Championship. Um, so it's got all the Blanc Pan cars in it already and all the circuits that Blanc Pan go to. Um, what it doesn't have is places like Alton Park, Smithton and Donington Park, which British GT goes to, but Blanc Pan didn't. So the British pack is going to include those circuits, and we understand there may also be some British GT liveried cars going in there as well. They're also launching a, a GT4 pack paid DLC, which will have 10 new GT4 cars in it. So um, hopefully we'll get the GT4 cars that are racing in British GT in, in, in that pack as well. And it gives an officially sanctioned game that people can go and do racing on recently there's been an official british gte sports series it was run by the online racing association but that's gone a bit quiet for this year but they were racing on forza motorsport rather than um like project cars which does have all the circuits in it so it wasn't quite right they were doing their their alton park was at watkins Glen and things like that um so it wasn't quite right now we'll be able to do it properly yeah, better choice of GT cars, I believe, is the reason for using Forza over Project Cars too. Yes, and also flexibility in liveries, so they could um, they could replicate the real world liveries. Whereas, obviously, in Project Cars two on console, you're stuck with the liveries that the game designer sent out. Now, you did have the number thirty three Lamborghini in there, the John Minshaw Philkeen Lamborghini, and you also had the blue and white Lamborghini from the same year. I can't remember who drove that. But other than that, you were you were you were pretty slim for British GT cars in Project Cars too. I believe the blue and white one was Patrick Kajula, if I remember rightly, and another uh, Scandinavian driver, if I remember. They only Possibly. did Alton Park, but then they moved on to uh, Blancpain. Yeah. Yes, and then we just had the uh, the Keen car and the Sam de Han car, didn't we, for for the rest of the year? I thought it was Tordoff that year in his Gardex Lamborghini. It was. It was. My apologies. There you go. First correction of this episode. (laughs) First of many, eh, Nick? (laughs) No comment. So I'm just going to mention quickly as well, for anyone who is kind of feeling the pension and lacking on stuff, Humble Bundle, um, which is for PC they raise a lot of money for charity they currently have a driving bundle on there with a lot of um, racing games including Project Cars 2 and it's a pay what you want and they donate the money through to various charities on it each month so it's worth having a look if you are kind of looking for something to fill the time at the moment while supporting a good cause. That's that's good these games that are sort of reaching the end of their run that are still generating income but it's going to a good cause. Mm. And they've never been particularly fussy about kind of keeping anything. Humble Bundle are really good. They've been going for a few years now and they have various bundles. So it's something that I would say for anyone that's kind of a PC gamer, it's worth having a look at every so often anyway. Uh, Yeah, another bonus for the PC master, I say. Well, you know, we have to have some benefits. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) So our next news item that we do have, Matt Cowley has joined Jordan Albert in the 61 Academy Mustang. Indeed. The Formula Ford racer, he's done the Formula Ford Festival at Brands Hatch before, did quite well in that. I believe he finished eighth in the Walter Hayes Trophy at Silverstone as well. And he's done some GT4 European work with the Academy Aston Martin last year. Andrew can tell you more about that one because he tipped me off to that a little while ago. Um, but he stepped up to the Academy Mustang alongside Jordan Albert. So that, that team's lineup is now fully confirmed ahead of the season. Um, Andrew, you know more about him. Do you want to pick it up from here? Yeah, thanks, Nick. Um, yeah, he competed, as uh, already said, he competed in um, with Academy in their Aston Martin last year in the 2019 European GT4 Series. Bunch of mixed results. Nothing real special. Um, he has put on his own website, not to his not to his fault. Um, then he went back to doing. He did. He said he did the uh, Walter Hayes. Come third of that. Uh, sorry, eighth of that, and also did the former Ford Festival as well. Come come third. Okay, and the last news item uh, that we do have in our news segment, uh, Nick. Last episode, you'd put forward a bit of a prediction as to the Stella Motorsport number. We now know whether or not you were right or wrong, and the answer is... I was wrong. 
Yes, Stella Motorsport have apparently confirmed to Andrew the number for their GT3 car. I thought it was going to be 39 because it would fit with the 29 on the, on the GT4 car. But Andrew can tell us whether I'm right or wrong. Uh, it'll be They'll be using number 30 this year for their GT3 car. You're listening to the British GT Fan Show. You can find us on social media at BGTF Show. Or visit our website, bgtfshow.co.uk. From the last episode, there's a couple of corrections to make. I'll be honest, I got things wrong. First of all, and most vitally importantly, when I was talking about lady racers... I kind of forgot the champion. So apologies to Flick Hay, who, of course, has been a lady racer in the championship, the first lady to win a British GT race overall and the first lady to win a British GT GT3 championship. Of course, I do also have to point out that the peak we had was four lady races in the same class. That was in GT4 in 2015, when Jamie Chadwick and Ala Valeska, as I mentioned before, were joined by Chloe Edwards and Jade Edwards in the GT4 class. And then, of course, a year later, when we had Jamie and Anna joined by Abby Eaton in that beautiful Bebel Maserati. Um, So my apologies for that one. Correction issued. Uh, The other correction that I've got to do, um, and this is a bit of a whopper, I got the wrong organising club. I very, very um, carefully informed you all that Bark were involved in the running of the race meeting. When they're not, it's the British Racing and Sports Car Club, or BRSCC, that do all the organisational side of actually running the marshals and the race control and scrutineering and all the things with actually hands-on cars. So my apologies to BRSCC and also for Bar- to Bark for associating them with a championship with which they're not associated. It is the BRSCC that run the British GT race meetings. Again, my apologies. If you do spot any of my glaring gaffes, I'm sure more than one will turn up in each episode. Do feel free to get in touch on our social media chat, social media channels, BGTF Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Let me know, and I shall do my mere culpas when needed on the next episode. Of course, the big news, which is affecting all sorts of motorsport, real non-motorsport events around the world is COVID-19. The uh, novel coronavirus has had a massive effect on motorsport. And of course, it has hit the British GT Championship. The season opener has been postponed due to the coronavirus outbreak. So as it stands at the moment, uh, we are looking at starting our season on the 16th of May at Snetterton. But that's by no means guaranteed, is it, Andrew? Is it, Gaz? Absolutely not, in my opinion. I mean, my marshalling schedule has gone out of the window at the moment. I don't know when I'll be uh, on the side of a racetrack at the moment. It's actually quite scary, in my opinion. But, you know, it's uh, it's, it's one of those things that we have to deal with, in my opinion. Yeah, same for me. Um, I looked at my marshalling calendar the other day and went, I don't know when I'm going to start. I don't think SNET will happen in May, possibly not even June at this rate. Um, unless something really changes. This this calendar this year could be a real mess up if it even does happen at all. Yeah, I think there's just so much uncertainty about at the moment and I've just literally been having a quick look at things in Spain have just announced they're extending their proper lockdown for another two weeks in addition to what they've already announced. So I think it's just going to be a case of we've got to wait and see because even if you know we do find it's getting better in one place, you know how is it going to be and it's not necessarily as much of an issue for somewhere that's everything's located in the same country, but especially if you've got air drivers that need to, to get elsewhere, we need to wait for travel to open up a little bit more. Even for Marshals. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, even for Marshals who are planning to go across the Spire as well this year. Yeah, was, uh, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the SRO um, and the British GT Championship have issued a brief statement about it when they postponed the first round of the Championship. And they said well, via their website and social media channels that the opening round of this season's Intelligent Money British GT Championship has been postponed following guidance issued by the UK Government and Motorsport UK in response to containing the spread of coronavirus and COVID-19. 
a new date for Alton Park's double header, which was due to take place over Easter Bank holiday weekend, April 11th and 13th, is already being discussed. The key part of this statement comes up next, which is that the championship organisers, SRO Motorsports Group, still fully intend to stage seven rounds as per 2020's original schedule. Further information will be issued in due course. So it's quite encouraging that they are still looking to get the full the the full seven rounds in um whether of course they'll they'll be able to get them in in the right order and whether seven rounds will also include places like alton park where the licensing is is a bit strict and they are at other circuits is it's still up for debate isn't it i'm gonna have an educated guess here and they might just split one of the endurance dates into two races here because that equal then of course each race classes as two rounds um and you know i've got a feeling that's what might happen i think at some point of course the other option which which they do have given that the spa round we are there the week before the 24 hours weekend is they could always do back-to-back rounds at spa so we could have our normal race weekend, stay there for an extra week and do races supporting the 24 hours um, to fit in an extra couple of rounds if we need to. I've I've looked at the schedule for Spa and that's quite a packed schedule, even because they start practice on like a Thursday, even for the Spa 24. So I think to, to fit another race in there, I think it'd be, I don't say it'd be impossible, but it would be, I think it'd be a push. Perhaps I'm just hoping for a cheeky accreditation for 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. So the other issue we've now got is the rescheduled Le Mans, which now clashes with our final Donington round. And obviously people like Johnny Adam and Ross Gunn, probably a few others, especially mainly TF Sport, are going to be really affected because they'll have cars and drivers with both championship aspirations taking part in two races the same weekend. Yeah, the yeah. whole team is really affected by that one, isn't it? That is, but looking through the the entry list that we've got here, it really is only TF Sport that looks to be affected by having drivers in two places at the same time. Of course, we don't have the full entry list for this year for British GT yet, so there's still a couple of t- the TBAs on it. But it's it's always possible. It would be difficult and a bit pricey, but it would al- al- always be possible to potentially have... Ross and Johnny finish their stints early morning in France and then helicopter to Donington Park for the decider. It's been done before. Yeah, I, mate, I, I would have thought that Aston Martin, as their factory as their factory drivers, would decide on who's got the most likely, you know, where have they got more, champ, more likely to um, win a championship and then they'll be set to that one. They'll be, they'll be sent to that race rather than go to the other one. Of course, with World Endurance Championship being as up in the air as it is now, we don't know where the championship's going to stand uh, in World Endurance Championship either. Yeah. Of course, Le Mans could end up being the third round of their championship this year, so we don't know where things are going to stand. They have said that Le Mans is going to be the last race of the season. Does that make it the third round then? If they're looking at not getting started until June, July time, of course, they'd go to Spa because it's the best preparation for Le Mans. So they do Spa middle of June. That only gives a month and a half to prepare the cars for the biggest race of the year. But they could squeeze another round in there, I suppose. But they've also got to get Test Day out of the way as well. Yeah. So um, sorry. It doesn't leave a whole lot of time to fit in two rounds before we go to before we go to Mon. So that means that Silverstone's out then, beginning of September. That's already been pretty much confirmed. I think that will possibly move back to the Easter Easter date that it had last year. So, again, we'll be going head-to-head with British GT in 2021. <laughs> it wasn't last year either. It was the year before that, because last year was the August bank holiday. Yes, but we have had it for a number of years where yes. where it's been, well, three major events on the first round of, of our championship, isn't it, with the British GT at Alton Park, touring cars at Brands Hatch, and then World Championships racing at Silverstone. And people have been pulled all over the place. Mm. The Spa round of WEC is to be announced. I'm just looking at the calendar right now. Yeah. I do not see World Endurance Championship going to Le Mans without going to Spa first. It's just too much time between the last time the cars ran. I mean, what's it? Where was the last round of World Endurance Championship? Bahrain? Four hours of Silverstone on the 1st of September, then it goes to Spa. That's what they've got. Um, not Spa, Le Mans. That's what they've got scheduled at the moment. That's a tight schedule. I believe there is possibly a timetable for Le Mans already. They're mentioning about cancelling quite a lot of the stuff they normally do, so they're going to condense the weekend yeah. down a lot. 
because they're going to have to squeeze a test day in there somewhere as well. Yeah. Otherwise, you can't qualify your drivers for the race, can you? Again, we're theor- theoretically speaking again, aren't we? We might not yeah. have it still, so. Yep. That's, it's it's just a sign of how up in the air all of motorsport is over, over coronavirus. It's, it's done a real number on the entire industry. Since this episode was recorded, there have been significant changes in the response to the novel coronavirus. On Monday, the 23rd of March, the Prime Minister announced sweeping changes in response to COVID-19, which have had a significant effect on motor racing. Motorsport UK responded on the 24th of March, suspending all permits and certificates of exemption in the UK. These are the legal requirements for racing to take place, and they're suspended until the 30th of June at the earliest. The SRO immediately responded by postponing the first four meetings of the season. So Snetterton, Silverstone and the first visit to Donington Park join Autumn Park in the on-hold pile. The Intelligent Money British GT Championship have already secured a date for the 2020 Silverstone 500 event in the final quarter of this year, but they have yet to announce it. All we can do now is follow the new rules, stay at home and keep safe. It's the only way we're going to beat this virus and then in time return to the racetrack. British GT Fan Show is a Storm Vixen creative and RPS-driven media production for motorsport.radio. You can find us on social media at BGTS Show or visit our website www.bgtsshow.co.uk. So in our new segment, we did see that we have got a little bit more information about the entry list for the upcoming season. And those of you who listened to our last episode will know that Nick and I had a good chat about it. But you'll also hear that there are extra voices on this episode's podcast. And we will get around to introducing everyone in a short while. But I thought I'd just take the time to have a bit of a chat about what Andrew and Gaz think about the entry list and also the new additions. Uh, So we'll go to Andrew first. Yeah, it's, um, so far the, the entry list is much, well, GT3-wise is much more healthy compared to last year, the last few years. Is it 19 GT3 cars this year, which is six up, five up compared to last year? Good selection of different manufacturers between Aston, Merckx, the McLarens, and we've now got the um, Audi R8 is back in the championship. Still got the Porsche from last year, GCAT's Porsche. It's a good little mixture there, and GT4, as um, Nick likes to call it, the McLaren GT4 championship. And also we've got a nice Toyota Super run by the touring car team Speedworks back in the championship after running a Chevrolet back in 2011. A couple of Mustangs from now Multimatic Mustangs run by now by run by Academy. Obviously TF Sport um, last year's champions bring up, the, bring up the Aston Martin still. Cool. How about you guys? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this year. I'm really liking the uh, the, the mix in GT3. It's 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 gonna, it's a, it's a good-looking grid this year. Um yeah, GT4 is looking like a bit of a McLaren um, tribute, but uh, yeah, I think I think we could uh, I think we could get some decent racing out of this. Okay, I'm putting both of you on the spot because we got Nick's predictions um, last episode. What do we think for this season? Assuming we do eventually get there. Come on, guys, you first. Uh, um, I I can't get past either. T- okay, I, I, I can't get past either TF Sport. Balf or Optimum this year, I don't think. Well, and maybe Ram coming in there as well. Yeah. So just, a, just a, the widespread. A, a, nice, <laughs> a, a nice narrowing down to four, and I can't get past that, I'm afraid. Um, uh, well, being fair, a nice narrowing down to, you said TF Sport, Optimum, and Ram, so that's five cars. Yeah, <laughs> Ram as well, so that's seven. Plus Balf as well. Yeah. <laughs> maybe Barwell might, 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 be getting, might be getting in there as well. Um... I, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting and seeing here. I'm taking, I'm taking a stand on this. I'm going to wait and see. Uh, I've, I've, uh, I've got my own little prediction in, in on the, in on the fantasy league that we got going on the group. But other than that, I, I don't know. I really can't. I really can't make my mind up out of these, uh, out of these entries yet. So Andrew, as Gas has very carefully hidden in the Marshall's post. You've got to stand out by the arm and make some predictions. That's not just sitting on the fence. That's just like hiding in the hedge. <laughs> well, if we base it on last year's results, and I have told the driver this, I've put Sean Balfour's Rob Bell as probably championship favourites. Because um, that McLaren last year, 
and towards the end of the year, it was flying, and it probably was the fastest car combination there. Now we've got a few more McLarens, definitely made more things interesting. But I'm going to stick with my, I think, Sean Bell from Rob Bell. As long as the car is, um, maintains its reliability, it gained for the second half of the championship last year. I'm going to go with them for the championship. Not because they run our logo on their cars, but it's. I think they, they'll, be, they'll be good for it. So, Nick, you were a little bit on the fence last episode. I'm going to give you one chance to to narrow down your view. Well, my view has narrowed down, and as the entry list has, has filled out, there is one car in the GT3 entry list that has two reigning GT3 champions in it. And that's the number seven, the Amman Racing Team, Ahmed Alhati and Johnny Adam. And, okay, Johnny Adam's run of success has to end eventually, but I don't think it's going to end this year. What do you think about GT4? I did say that I was going against the uh, receive wisdom, and I was backing Conor O'Brien and Patrick Kittle in the number 95 uh, Aston Martin Vantage, the more experienced of the uh, of the two crews in that car. And... I mean, TF Sport, you can't you can't argue against TF Sport. I think I might join you on the 95. Connor has another year's experience. Patrick, another year's experience. TF Sport again. Tolman's all their drivers are all brand new this year. This is British GT. Uh, I should look at them all. Jamie Caroline, obviously, he's, he's did a few rounds last year. And to sure on his teammate, Daniel Vaughan. Somebody might want to bring me up to date on him. Um I'll say 95 as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking at the entry list here as well, and they're looking like the looking like the, the the top guys, aren't they? Maybe one of the two Tolman cars. Maybe the maybe the uh, the the Academy is going to work well for these two. One of these two pairings coming out of the uh, McLaren Academy. Okay, to give you that update that you wanted on Daniel Vaughan, not exactly slow. His career highlights, 2013 second in the SR1 Cup, 2014 second in Clubman's Cup, Radical Clubman's Cup Supersport, 2018 Porsche Porsche? Porsche Carrera Cup GB Pro-Am second second place. So he's made a career out of finishing second. It's another spanner spanner in the works. We've still got one, two, three, four, six drivers to be announced. And Stella had their R8 going pretty quick last year. And it depends who they get in their car, in their GT4 car. Yeah, if they get a good good driver pairing, they'll be uh, be a team to watch, I think. They they, they definitely will. I mean, Richard Williams and and Senna Fielding last year, they, as I said in the last episode, I bet against them, but... Uh, Snetterton. I was like, nah, that car's not going to... Oh, bloody hell, it's one. <laughs> and any, anybody that makes a fool out of me like that when I start giving respect. <laughs> yeah, they, they they really... I think they surprised pretty much everyone on that day. They they they, they came for that day and everyone was like, well, where's this just coming from? Yeah, there was, there was no signal... There was no... There's no sign that that would actually happen. Yeah, I, you know, wait until their driver pairing comes up. I think that'll be a good one to watch. See, after that Snetterton round, Richard Williams got reclassed as a silver driver where before he was an AM driver, which did slightly affect him for the rest of the year. Well, not really. They still won the Donington Decider. They they were on, on or about the pace all along, despite being reclassified. It was, it was fairly remarkable. Next up on the show, we've got interviews with Johnny Adam, which Nick took at Snetterton's Media Day recently. And I interviewed Matt Brigden, the founder of the British GT fans. So I'm really pleased to have Matt here, who's the founder of the British GT Fans. Would you like to introduce yourself first off? Yeah, no problem. Hi, everyone. I'm Matt. Like Sarah said, I've started British GT Fans page. I live in the middle of the country. I live in Staffordshire. I live with my wife, Donna, who I've been married to for nearly five years now. I have to think about that one. That's bad, isn't it? I have a little daughter called Abby. She's not so little. She's 13. Basically, British GT Fans came about Back in 2017, I was I was a member of another group on Facebook for another race series, and it got me thinking. I love my endurance racing, love my GT racing, and I thought the British GT Championships, fantastic championship. Is there anything going on online for the fans? And I had a look, and there wasn't. So I thought, why not? I knew the guy that ran the group I was a member of, and he gave me some hints, tips, and advice. Got it going, and it's gone from there, and I'll be honest, it's grown into something I never expected. 
never expected to have calendars, never expected to have a podcast. And it's it's, it's just crazy. I, I can't believe where we've come from and where we've come to. I've had some fantastic support in building the group into what it is, both from Andrew, Gaz, the championship themselves, the drivers, the teams... And it's it's just been a it's been a blast for the last three years. So I've only been in the British GT fans group for a little while, but I can already see that there is quite a sense of community in there. And is that an important aspect for you of the group? Yeah, we've we've worked hard to develop the community aspect of it and the relationship with both the championship themselves, SRO, and the drivers. The the group gives the fans access to drivers in a way that they wouldn't normally have. I mean, British GT is very open in the fact that the paddock's open and you can just walk through, you can meet drivers, you can talk to drivers. But with the pressures of a race weekend, you don't get the opportunity to chat to them in the way that you, they do through the group. So I think they've, they've really jumped on board with it. They've helped make it into a, a nice sense of community, like you say, for the fans. They're very open, they're very... They're very good in the way they interact and the fans interact with each other and there's scope for discussion and people agree, people disagree. That's that's life. But I think we've, we've developed a very good, large GT family within the group. Yeah, and it certainly looks like there's lots going on because you've mentioned the calendar. I know there's a fantasy league that should be kicking off, but obviously with the coronavirus and everything, it's that's on hold. Um, there's photo competitions, so it does look like it's quite active, which is really nice. Yeah, and I just you mentioned the calendar and you mentioned the fantasy league. I just want to take the opportunity to say to Andrew, thank you, because without him, we wouldn't have them he's worked his absolute knees off to get the calendars looking as fantastic as professional as they are i can i mean i haven't been involved but i can imagine the fantasy league techs an awful lot of organizing to make sure everybody's sticking to the rules so to speak and yeah he's he's been absolutely fantastic with that so i'm really chuffed to bits with that are you going to be playing in the fantasy league i am despite the fact that we're not allowed to win it, which is, uh, you know, it's only fair. Not that we have any insider knowledge or anything, but yeah, I'll, I'll always have a go. I mean, I've, I can't remember. I think Gaz won out of the admins last year. So uh, I'll be asking for his advice. Sounds like a good plan. So looking back on you, obviously you said you've set the, the fans group up in 2017. What was it that got you into British GT particularly? British GT, I, I used to watch it. Back at the early turn of the century when it was the likes of Ferraris and Moslers and Listers and all that kind of thing. And then, to be honest, I kind of went away from it. And as everybody does, concentrated on Formula One. But then I just fell back in love with endurance racing, GT racing, because I found it more competitive than Formula One had become at that time. And I'll always remember I was at the um, Creventic 24 hour and a very nice Dutchman asked me if I could do an interview with him on the pit wall. And he said what is it you like about endurance racing? And my simple answer was, well, look, the car that started at the back is going to win. You just never know. And just with GT as well, you, you can't beat the noise. The Bentleys, the you know, the, the Ferraris, the Screams, the, you just you can't beat it. I'm sorry, it's the GT racing is just the top for me. And do you have an all-time favourite moment? For me personally, it, it was probably being in the pit lane, 2017, Donington Decider when Seb Morris brought his Bentley in and I was literally stood two feet away from it while he was revving, you know, revving the beans off it and being in the in the team park at Gary's when they won their title. I, for me personally, that was my highlight of the recent GT racing anyway. Okay, so I've asked this question of everyone that's been on so far. Obviously, we're going to have a little while until the season starts, to put it mildly, but who's your money on for this season? Ah... That that's really hard. Um, so far, it's been spread bet across four different teams. So I think we can give you a couple of choices. Um, see, I think you you definitely can't discount Phil Keane. You know, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. But honestly, I, I couldn't give you an answer to that one. We've got if you look across the GT3 field. It's I, I really couldn't put a name to it, and I wouldn't want to put a name to it to be honest with you because it's it's going to be so. Hard to call this year, I think. That's fair enough. And the last question I've got for you is if you could own any GT car, what would it be and why? 
Oh, for the noise, I don't think you'll ever beat the BMW Z4. I think, yeah, I think if someone was to give me a GT car, it would be one of those. Excellent. Thanks very much for joining us today. You're it's been welcome. really good getting to know you, and I'm sure that we'll see you on more episodes in the future. Thank you for having me. No problem. Motorsport Radio. With Johnny Adam in the guide for TF Sport, and we're looking at his nice new car, the number seven. You're joined by Ahmed Al Hati this year. So my first question you've had, what, four different co drivers in the past four years in British GT? How hard is it for you to, to get to work with all these different co-drivers? Uh, yeah, so this is uh, obviously fifth different teammate in nine years, I think, uh, with British GT. But yeah, so obviously I get handed these customers through AMR pretty much. And obviously for the last few years it's been with TF Sport. But I think the key is just to suss the customer out as a personality, what they kind of need to make them go fast, whether it's data, whether it's radio communication or whether it's good prep time away from the track. But it seemed to my method sort of worked for the last, obviously, four times times with four different people but I have obviously raced with Ahmed I've raced with Ahmed for about two and a half three years on and off over the last sort of four or five years um, I haven't raced with them in the British Championship though so we've done Blompan for a few years and been quite successful with that um, but yeah I'm looking forward to it he's a good friend to be fair and it's a nice welcome return to Oman Racing as well because Ahmed is very proud to carry the Oman Racing name um, and obviously with TS Sport to have that in his car but also the sister car as well so um, yeah it's, it's a good story for British GT and genuinely I think uh, hopefully our lucky number 7 Aston will give us uh, some good results this year I saw something on the internet about you picking the number 7 because you've always had success with 7 somewhere in the number is, yeah. is that true? yeah it won uh Oh, we're about to get lovely V8 noise. <laughs> um, yeah, number seven's been good over the years. Le Mans with 97, Blompan with Ahmed with 97, and then every single championship I've won in British GT, it's, it's had a seven in it. So, um, yeah, when we wanted to have a single number, and Ahmed really didn't want to take number one this year, and I wasn't too fussed about it. Graham deserved it, obviously, to carry it this year. So, yeah, the next number was seven, and he was happy, I was happy. So, And it does look quite nice on the car, so... I know it's media day, it's very early days, but you've got to be fairly confident heading into this season. I mean, it's a pro-am championship and you're, of course, a pro. But calling Ahmed an am is, 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 a, is a misnomer. A more gifted am is going to be very, very hard to find, isn't it? Yeah, he's, I mean, he's done a lot with the car obviously the last sort of 12 months. Obviously, he raced in Blancpain last year. Um, so he knows the car, knows the team well, but he hasn't raced in the UK for five years now. So it's um, getting him up to speed, hence why we're here today at a cold and pretty wet and miserable Snerton because it's these kind of weather conditions and circuits that he needs to learn a little bit more. But he is, he's, he's fast, um, but being fast doesn't win everything you have to be consistent you have to score the points but we've worked really hard in the last sort of two months away from the the scenes on the car pretty much because as much as we won the championship last year there's a few rounds where we felt we could have improved the car a lot better but that that requires detail analysis and obviously testing as well plus the new Pirelli tyre is slightly different on our, our car this year so we're looking into the detail it was a championship winner last year but we have to improve the car because it looks like it's going to be really competitive this year from quite a few other manufacturers again early days how much running have you had on the new Pirelli tyre is it uh, best I've done probably two and a half days uh, through stuff with ProDrive but really yesterday we were here in the afternoon and it was dry and that was our first proper run with this team and Ahmed on this tyre so it requires a little bit more setup required for it but it feels actually very good in these conditions quite cold ambient today but um, yeah for some teams that will be massive setup changes to get it to work and for others that will be bolt on and probably not feel much of a difference you know the, the main question with the new tyre that I have and you're a good person to come to for this because you've You've raced pretty much every tyre we've had since Avon, haven't you? Yeah. Um, is last year we had complaints that the tyre was only good for one lap in qualifying. Have you got any feelings whether it's got a bit more length to it? Will you will you get a second chance if the first one doesn't go well? Uh, I think the tyre will be still peaky, so it'll still be lap one or two on the new tyre. Most tyres are like that nowadays, but I think more the tyre is very good over a race run. Um, so I think that's where they've improved probably the GD3 and also now GD4 tyre as well this year which gives a bit more 
you know, flexibility for the AM driver. If they do make a mistake in the race or they do make a mistake in qualifying, they can maybe have another go at it. Um, and that requires a little bit of tuning around that tyre to get the best from it. But, um, yeah, it's nice we're in the detail situation. Last year, this time, it was a brand new chassis, brand new concept from ProDrive. Learning the car, getting Graham in the car, learning how to drive it correctly. And it came off well. But this year, I've got a teammate who's had 12 months in the car. I've got a team who's had 12 months with the car. And now we're fine-tuning. So, um it's going to be tough, you know. Obviously, Olton does favour the Lamborghini. They were quite there last year. They won both races. Snerton, again, favours Lamborghini's low traction areas. So, first two rounds, really, this is why we're here again, is to really get the car to the window. And um, we'll wait and see. You're listening to the British GT Fan Show. You can find us on social media at BGTF Show. Or visit our website, www.bgtfshow.co.uk. Also visit our partners, British GT fans on Facebook, on Instagram and Twitter, it's fans of British GT. So as we've heard already in the new segment, we have got some additional voices this episode um, and now we thought it would be a good time to actually introduce them and find out a little bit about them. So I would like to welcome Andrew and Gaz to the podcast. They are going to be regular voices, so you'll soon get to know them. But for now... I'd like you both to give us a quick introduction to yourselves. Hi everyone, my name's Andrew. Glad to be part of this uh, new British GT fan show. I'm originally from Luton. Uh, I now live in Chatteris, which is somewhere in the middle of Fenlandshire, <laughs> Cambridgeshire. And yeah, I marshal. I currently work in the catering industry, which uh, might be interesting tomorrow when I get to work. Apart from that, it's um, a spate and Gaz's turn. Hello, I'm Gaz Jacobs. Uh, I come from Dudley, as you might hear from the accent. Been marshalling now for about six years. Other than that, you can find me in front of a computer screen in rugby. Um, yeah, that's a, it's, a, it's work from home time at the moment, that is. Cool. So those are our new voices. Of course, you've heard myself and Nick in the last episode, but Nick, why don't you give yourself a proper introduction? Hi. I'm Nick Smith. Um, I am a truck driver by trade, but also a photographer and journalist. I've been working in motorsport since 2010. I started out writing, then I picked up a camera, um, realised I actually preferred holding a camera to, to writing. And now I take photos of British GT and other race events in the UK and also sort of herd all the cats together to... To, to, to form the British GT Fans Show podcast. Okay, so was there a particular race or event that got you into British GT or motorsport in general, Nick? It was two races pretty much back-to-back, and they were both in 2010. Until then, I'd watched a bit of Formula One on, on, on the telly with me dad and my granddad, but really it hadn't bit. And then Mark Wimble, the commentator, said, why don't you come down to Silverstone for Super League Formula in 2010? Uh, we knew each other from from playing Forza on on the Xbox, um, so I came down and was immediately bit by the bug. Went back three weeks later for the first race on the new on the new circuit on the Arena Grand Prix layout, which was the FIA GT1 World Championship. Saw Lamborghini spitting flames out almost the same length as the car. Was absolutely hooked and really up in skin ever since. So how about you guys, Andrew and Gas? I started watching motor racing when I was seven years old. First it was F1. Mr. Mansell, this is all your fault. I first became aware of British GT back in 1999 when it was a support package for the Grand Prix. Then when I started marshalling, I marshaled my first British GT round at Rockingham, God rest its soul, uh, in 2011. And I've been hooked ever since. Yeah, I've um, I've always been into motorsport. My dad has always had you know, F1 on TV on on the weekend and stuff like that. And I always remember BTCC being on grandstand back in the day. But it was only when F1 switched to Sky and no Sky access meant I had to go and find other things. So I found BTCC on ITV4. Yeah, started watching that. From there, British GT, Blank Pan, WEC. Yeah, then they all just exploded when I started marching. Uh, you guys have said that, you know, you, you're both marshals. So tell us a bit about that. What does it involve? What can you expect to get up to on a weekend where you are marshalling? Well, that all depends on what role you're doing. You, know, you start out as a general instant bod 
Um, I completely disregarding what they actually do, but you know, I mean, going out, sorting out the cars, you know, I mean, when when they when they come off and when they have a problem, myself and Andrew have gone down the flag route, making sure the drivers can well get the signals that they need to see, and I think Andrew, you progressed on even more. Yeah, um, I actually progressed to uh, the post chief role. Um, so basically, if I become responsible for the post, so it's my job to look after the team. I also look after the reporting, so I have to, if any incidents happen on circuit, I need to report them back to race control via the, the radios. And obviously, it's just make sure the team's good. We make sure we've got our sector covered of the circuit, make sure that any trainee marshals are looked after, any laggies are looked after. It's just to make sure that it's our sector can run as best as it can to deal with anything that comes up. And what inspired you both to move into the marshal rather than just watch? Free race tickets, I think, for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wanting to get more, getting wanting to get more involved with it. I think that's 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 uh, that's the official line. <laughs> it was something that I've been on about doing for a long time, and finally, when I turned thirty, I just jumped in, and since then, I've not looked back, and it's been best thing I've ever done. And it's led on to so much more stuff. It's led on to the fans, the fan show. It's now led on to this. It's also helped me personally. It's um, I have issues of depression and bits and bobs, and I was never very good at coming forward. So meeting people was always a strange one. This has brought me out of that completely. If you see me now, come talk to me. I will go speak to people. I, it's, it's it's a whole new friendship, a whole new family is brought to me now. The, this marshalling world, mm. and it's um, it's turned out honestly. If anybody wants to do it, let us know by our Facebook page, the show's page. Just get in contact with one of us. You'll find us on Facebook very easily. And uh, we'll guide you best we can into joining up. It's one of the best things you can do. Just beat me to the question of if anyone did want to get involved. So, Nick, you haven't been involved in the Martian side of it, but you did just mention that, you know, you, you play on Forza and a little bit more down the eSports side of it. So tell me a bit about that, because I know you do play with a regular bunch of guys. Yeah, well, at the moment, I race in an unofficial World Endurance Championship Series. Well, really, at the moment, I should be racing in, uh, but they're at Sebring this weekend, and I haven't really got to grips with that track, so I withdrew my entry so I could be free for this. But I race in in, G- in GT races on, on the internet, just people all around the world. Um, now that I'm home more regularly than I was, I mean, for, for 10 years of my life, I was sleeping in a metal box in a lay-by somewhere around the country. You don't really get reliable internet connection there, so the racing got kind of took a back seat but i do i do that for for a bit of relaxation really i'm i'm one of those obsessives my entire life is motorsport so gaz and andrew you're both um involved in the british gt fans community and i know that andrew you're co-admin on that how did you become involved with that and did you think it would be the size of community it is now i first became aware of it back in march 2017 after uh, matt um, created the group just for snetterton around in may he they put a post up saying after another admin and i was the first one to jump on uh, they approached me and i became an admin since then it's like the group i think at the time had about three four hundred members we're now nearly at three just gone over three thousand seven hundred and it's i'd say it's taken over my life is an understatement i'm continuously doing trying to create things like fantasy league i've been looking at that I produced the candidate for the last two years, sell for the group, and just various other things. Before Christmas, up till the start of what should have been the start of the year, we had um, the Ultimate GT poll, which did create the everyone's favourite GT car, GT3 car, which became the Aston Martin V12. Yeah, I became involved with the group just as a general member, and then got to know Andrew at the race at the circuits. Um, ended up taking walks up and down the pit lane whilst he was trying to get stickers on the cars and then it was just kind of I started to become more involved with that he offered me a chance to become an admin and that's how I got involved with this side of the GE fans group yeah it's it's uh, it's, been, it's been a great thing to be involved with actually Excellent, so we'll move away from racing for a second for a non-related question we are going to run this as a little bit of fun. So the next question that I've got for everyone is I want two truths and a lie from you. And our listeners are more than welcome to guess which one is the lie. Um, and we want to know. So, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, BGTF show. Let us know what lie you think 
our people are telling. We'll go to you, Nick Fist. Oh, you've put me on the spot again. You do this every episode. Um, I gave you the questions in advance this time. Yeah, but I still haven't decided which ones I'm going with. Um, <laughs> right, okay. So, I once sold Bob Monkhouse a Big Mac just before he died. It wasn't causal. I play the clarinet. I once played Dopey in Snow White and the 47 Dwarfs. Okay, so if you think you've worked out what Nick's lie is, do let us know. We will update everyone accordingly. No prizes this time, but you will have bragging rights. Uh, Gaz next. Uh, Again, you've really put me on the spot here. I own a lizard. Um, I have a spare washing machine sat out in my hallway. And, yeah, I I once owned a Nissan Micra. Hand in your petrol head card now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Andrew. Oh, don't want to do this bit. Um, Once played the back end of the camel in Joseph, the main set kind of dream coat at our school production. My first four cars were all courses, and I have a car collection which cost me far too much money. Okay. And Sarah, two truths, one lie. Thanks, Nick. Okay. My favourite colour is blue. I've sung on stage in a German arena, and I haven't passed my driving test yet. Okay, so back to you. Uh, the motorsport. I want to know what your favourite race is. So we're going to go to Gaz first on this one. Favourite particular race or just a favourite race in 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 you know out there in the world? Uh, a specific race. A specific race. I, I was going to go for the same thing uh, anyway, whichever way I was going to ask me. It was going to Mount Panorama, and it was last year's um, twelve hour. That was absolutely fantastic. That fight between the Porsche and the Aston at the end was unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, we'll go to Nick next. Given that I now can't choose the mountain, thank you, Gaz. It's all right, no worries. <laughs> I am going to go for 2011 FIA GT1 World Championship at San Luis at the circuit called Potreros de los Funes. To be honest, I can't remember who won it. It was an absolutely astounding race in an absolutely astounding setting around the crater of a volcano. It's just a mind-boggling location, and next time I ever get the chance to go and race there, I will sell my soul to go and take photos of cars racing there. Okay, Andrew. My favourite race ever was 1992 British Grand Prix when Mansell walked it into the distance by a mile. So, next question then. What is your all-time favourite motorsport moment? Um, I'm going to go to Gaz first on this one. Instantly, it comes to mind. I think it would have to be, again, fairly recently, um, because I've only got like a three-second memory, would be last year's uh, race at Silverstone for the WEC. I was up post one. Um, and I was in there with the drummers and all these cars and all that just just before the race, and I was just in amongst it all, and that was absolutely absolutely amazing. Okay, we we'll go to Nick next. My favourite motorsport moment is it's not a happy one. Um, my favourite motorsport moment is actually three and a bit minutes and it is the dying three and a bit minutes of the 2016 24 hours of Le Mans when Toyota were leading it it was theirs it was in the bag and then a 50 cent component failed and the car stuttered to a halt and that that five minutes of coverage and if you listen to the radio Le Mans coverage and you look at the pictures and it shows all the emotions of motorsport in in five minutes and the world cried with toyota that day and it's just just remark it shows the passion for the sport that was absolutely crushing for that team i think that was that was unbelievable that one okay over to andrew favorite moment i could think of is the first time i saw f1 lives it was 1988 and it was a silverstone soggy wet day and Mansell pulled out 
it's Mansell again, sorry. It, Mansell pulled out a drive from out of nowhere with a car that got hastily rebuilt over week over the week over the night from active suspension to passive suspension. Drove it in warm up for the first time, then went from mid pack and finished second, overtaking cars wickedly wide that coming into Stowe, the old Stowe corner. Is that will live with me for all time. So moving off topic again, another fun question. Which way should the toilet paper hang, over or under? Have we got any left? <laughs> well, someone's got to be hoarding it all, because it isn't me. Well, all, all of my all, all thousand rolls I've got are all going over. <laughs> yeah. Any disagreement? Not for me. If you look at the original patent for a toilet roll, and this document surfaced on the internet a while ago, it should hang away from the wall. Now, I don't actually have a toilet roll holder, so it sits on the radiator. It'll make it nice and warm, won't you? Indeed. Second indeed of the show. Yes, you're doing well so far. Okay, so moving back on to a track-related question. I think, what's your favourite track? And we'll go to Andrew first. Um, unfortunately, this circuit is no longer in operation. It's rocking them. It's one of those Marmite circuits. People love it or hate it. I just, ever since I first went there back in 2011 to Marshall, I just really loved the place. It was, there's not many circuits in the UK you can get that close to the track in lots of spots. There was a good bunch of core marshals that were there. Um, got to know all them, all become decent, good friends. And the racing tended to be pretty good. Um, my first GT race were there was first time I ever touched an Aston Martin. I think it was Johnny Adam come pay me a visit. Uh, um, the Dean Hairpin and his old yellow and black Beach Dean Aston. It was a heavy car, especially if you put it, keep it in gear. Um, DBR9. DBR9, yeah. So it's, um, yeah, unfortunately it's gone. Um, the circuit, obviously, we're not having Champ Car or Car or IndyCar come back, sort of doomed it a bit. And they, the team that run it did a marvellous job of keeping it going. Unfortunately, it's just got to the point where the, the owners couldn't afford to keep it anymore, which is sad and we lost the circuit out of the UK so it will be my favourite circuit and certain post 12 which should be renamed after me because I was on it all the time um, that's definitely my favourite place mm. Okay we'll go to Gas next I've already mentioned the mountain but so I'm going to go for something completely different and it's not a circuit and that's Shelsey Walsh that place is just amazing, it really is you, you can't Andrew said you can't get much closer to, to to the cars game. I think you can. I can. I can get quite close to those at that at that, at that venue. Okay, and Nick. Well, we've had the newest circuit in the UK, which obviously is no longer a circuit, and we've had the oldest um, currently operating motorsport venue in the UK in terms of a hill climb. Um. I'm going to go outside the UK, and just as, as Gaz did, I can't really go for Procreos de los Funes because I, I used that in a previous answer. It's got to, for me, be the Nordschleifer because it's just a monster, and every... We say in British circuits every day is different. At the Nordschleifer, every minute is different, and 24-hour races in the middle of the summer, they get called off because half the GT3 fields in a gravel trap because it's snowed. It's you could race there for a lifetime and still not understand it and that's that that's that's one heck of a challenge. Okay, dokie. So my last question uh for you guys is if you could own any GT car, what would it be and why? So I'm gonna go to Gaz first on this. Aston Martin V twelve Vantage GT three. It's it's just my all time favourite and I'm quite glad it won the ultimate GT3 car Okay, and Nick If I was going for a GT car I'd want one that I could use that I could, that I could drive every day and in terms of racing cars for the road there is one out there that stands out above all others and that is the Porsche 911 Strassen version the road going homologation special for the older uh, GTP Porsche it's just, it's pantomime on tyres. It's fantastic. Okie dokie. And Andrew? I would say uh, the McLaren 720S GT3. 
it's just something about that car just it's just makes it oh hello i just really really like it well that's it from us for this episode other than to say thank you for listening if you've any comments on the show then please get in touch with us on our social media at bgtf show and don't forget to let us know what you think our lies are and our two truths and a lie question until next time take care Thanks for listening to the British GT Fan Show. Remember, the show is for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, redistributed, reproduced or used in any form without permission. For more information or to get in touch, please visit www.bgtfshow.co.uk. Thanks for listening.